all time. So happy almost retired day to the people out there that are working because I know what kind of schedule you actually keep. I had a buddy of mine tell me, he said, don't retire. You won't have time. <laughs> I'm going, okay. Anyway, it's uh, interesting. It's been an interesting. Go ahead, Jim. So you're telling me that you don't have time. If, if you weren't retired, you wouldn't have time to work because you got so much to do now. Yeah. That's just about it. So, but so retirement is a full-time what, job. Retirement gets to be a full-time job. One, you can't, I mean, you're no longer 21, 22, you know, in your mid-20s or early 30s or, you know, 40. You know, you climb on up through the years. And then you find out that what you used to do, you can still do, but it takes you two to three times longer to do it. In other words, one of the things when you get up in the morning, you if you're a coffee drinker or you need some caffeine to get yourself kicked in the butt to get going, that's what you need. It, it's not like it's an option. <laughs> it's, okay, where's the coffee? Where's your, Somebody, please give me some coffee. But, oh, I'll tell you one thing, though. Looking out the window here, see a few clouds scattered out there. Oh, and it's just, it's gorgeous. It's just drop dead gorgeous. So it's going to be a good day for all of you for the one car shows. I want to get this in here before I forget it. If you've got a car show or a cruise in, as they call them, going on today and you want to put it out, please call 719-1490 and put this information out to the public. A lot of gearheads out there that like to, oh, yeah, well, it's a beautiful day. I'd I'd kind of like to go out and see some of these fancy cars, these these classics. Give me a call at 719-1490. We'll put the son of a gun on the airways so that the people can go enjoy a little outdoor recreation and see some gorgeous vehicles in the process. So 719-1490. It is open line Saturday. Last week we put an open line on it, and it was really nice and nice and busy and a lot of different topics and subjects. And I do have some topics and subjects that uh, we can cover. Uh, one of them, uh, but be sure be sure and call me on the uh, on the car shows and stuff that's going on today, so I can put them in here. Or ones if you've got coming up like next week. There's a lot of fundraising car shows that have good causes behind them i would like to put that out for you at no cost to you on the uh airways to help you support your favorite charities and there's a lot of good stuff happen when people start putting these uh volunteer uh car shows on and then they take the funds that's generated and put it into a good charitable organization because most of the charitable, charitable organizations that they sponsor out there, the ones that I know of, uh, there's no salaries at the top end of these things. So if you spend 15 bucks and it goes in, all, all they try to cover is the food and drinks and stuff that they have purchased. But the profits go solely into the organization. You know, they're, they're actually legitimate. So it's not like where you have the big, uh, and I, and not all of them do it, but the big, uh, country and western type things where they say, well, we're going to do this. The one that sticks in my head is the farmer's relief that they had a few years ago. 
And it turned out that almost 90% of the, it was expense. So what you thought was going to the farmer's relief, only about 10%, 8%, and stuff like this. And that really upset me because, you know, being from the South and seeing the farmers and the, it was a, it was, it was put together as a good cause. It just didn't play out that way because, oh, well, this costs, this costs extra. And I understand stuff costs. I'm not an idiot. And, but I, I like the, uh, the homegrown stuff, the ones that actually work inside the communities, the people that, uh, put on these, uh, legitimate fundraisers. And it, the money actually gets down there. What do you think, Jim? What's your opinion on the fundraisers? Well, the fundraisers are good. You're right, Jerry. There's a, there's a lot of people that uh, have a lot of expenses. Um, you're supposed to only have them. Um, believe it or not, I know this sounds crazy, but the uh, only 25% of the of the donations are supposed to go to what they consider administrative wages. So uh, there's got to be a lot more built in if somebody's burning ninety percent. So if if the oh, wages, for example, mm-hmm. for example, the guy who's you know running it, you know, and he's doing the marketing, and he has he he can only get twenty five percent, and with his with his staff, for example, you know, he got a hundred dollars, they get twenty five. They got to do a lot of work to get another you know fifty dollars in there to get to the seventy five oh, yeah. mark, you know, so. You gotta. You're right, Jerry. You gotta watch and see which which ones you're working with. Um, making sure that they uh, that they uh, fit your bill. Do a little research. They, they, it's all public information. They're nonprofits. They they have to disclose everything they do. If you go to the corporation right. commission site. You can see who's on top of the list. You can see what their financials are. They have to disclose all that. You can see how they spend their money. It takes like 30 seconds if you go up to the corporation commission website. But yeah, the little the mm-hmm. little charity ones, the homegrown ones are are the best. You're right, and the car ones are good too. You can go see good cars, neat cars. I was watching uh, Barrett Jackson in uh, in Texas last night, and there's tons of cars out there, tons of beautiful cars that they were selling, Jerry. Oh, and, absolutely. And, and they were doing some donation cars. They were doing donation cars for for charities, but. Uh, but yeah, you want to talk about some nice cars? They had uh, they had some really beautiful cars that going up for Barrett Jackson sale. Six sixty eight uh, Camaro that was that was bright red, sold out for uh, forty nine thousand dollars. Completely restored, numbers matching sixty eight Camaro. So, well, maybe, maybe no one just a one day, Jerry. Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm going to have $48,000 in that Mustang before it ever gets up. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I really messed up. I really did. I should have just went ahead and started checking on these, the Barrett Jacksons and all of these uh, auctions because I have watched those over the years, and there's cars sitting there that I could have bought for less money then you can't rebuild them for the money that they're bringing at the auctions. Some of them are just absolutely good deals. And when you people, I, I know I had this conversation with my brother years ago, and he bought a 55 Chevrolet uh, or 56 Chevrolet. Beautiful car, beautiful car, beautiful car. Now you're thinking 55 Chevrolet. 
okay, 55 Chevrolet when it come out was what, $1,600, $1,500, something like that, or maybe like 2000 on the high side. And, oh, my gosh, he paid so much money for that. He paid $5,500 for that. And I'm looking at that, and you can't buy a used anything for $5,500 that you can drive down the road. And this thing's completely redone. And I'm going, and it's not losing value. And I'm going, I cannot believe that I, and I'm guilty, I'm well, I'm not guilty of it. I mean, I've done it. Go buy a brand-new vehicle, take the hit driving it as far as depreciation and driving it off the lot, and you're sitting there and you're forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 into this vehicle. And then uh, two years later, you're calling your insurance agent and say, hey, can you lower my premium on this vehicle? It's no longer worth that. It's depreciated 20%, 30%, 40%. And you, you sit there and you scratch your head. And then you love the 55 Chevrolet. Why the heck didn't I go take about 20 grand and go buy one that's already done? Get in it and drive it. Now, what I did with the Mustang is you put the, uh, in Arizona, you, you don't go buy a car that you plan on driving as a daily driver because you like the car without air conditioning. So, you know, if you go to buy a car that's been already redone, then you need to look in for auxiliary air conditioning. You know, they put on the dash so that you can actually drive these cars to a car show or take it to a um, uh, northern Arizona car show or something like that and be comfortable in the process. So... Back east, they don't really have that big problem except for the summertime with the heat and the humidity. That's enough to kill you by itself. But cars, love them to death. Now, the other thing that I was doing a little bit of research because a, a, a certain individual put a bug in my ear about politics and cars. Now, we don't talk politics one way or the other on this show for a reason. One, there's no winners when you're talking about politics. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, no, not everybody's a winner. Not everybody's a loser. So we just, uh, you know, no, it's, it, it's too big of a subject, and so we stay away from politic politics. However, let's talk about the politics, uh, for lack of a better word, I don't know what else you can say about it, uh, in the automotive industry. And let's start with electric cars. Electric cars, hybrid cars, but electric cars especially. Designated fuels, uh, gas, uh, propane. Uh, and the, let, let's get to an article that I read yesterday on, um, politicians sitting, I think it was Michigan or Detroit, I think in Detroit, Michigan, and uh, or he represents that state, and he has put a bill out, and it's actually going out. And I thought, wow, in your face! It was if you buy now, I'm, I don't have the article in front of me, and I'm getting older, and I'm having, and I haven't had my third cup of coffee yet. But if you buy electric vehicle, they've got 
packages now that he's trying to push through, $7,500, reinsert the $7,500 at the taxpayer that I'm going to give Jim to buy his next electric car. Now, that, I say, okay, so, you know, that's here. That's the only way. And and this is my honest-to-God, unbiased opinion on electric vehicles. I love them. I think they absolutely have a place in this country. And they have a place for people's driving habits. Why, if it's so good, why do I have to give you $7,500, Jim, to buy this electric car just because it's electric? And I know what it costs to run electric vehicles versus a, a regular gas engine. And I don't... Why do I need to give you 7500 That's bad enough. However, if you buy an American-made electric car, you can get an additional $2,500 on it. And if you buy a union-made American car, you can get another $2,500. So you got around uh, twelve grand going out that I'm having to pay you out of my tax dollars so that you can drive an electric vehicle made by the union. And uh, the politician in, that put this out is heavily, heavily supported by the UAW, and it was just like it was in your face. Okay, you know, I'm going to make sure that the unions get more of their share than Honda, uh, Volkswagen, and the other vehicles in Nissan, that are made in the U.S., but they're non-union shops. And they wonder why everybody's always got their underwear in a wad because of stuff going on. And I thought, well, you know, let's just talk a little bit about that. Now, Jim, I know you know a little bit about this. So we'll keep it civil, and we'll take phone calls at 719-1490, what we're doing is just trying to make some sense out of something that don't make a lot of sense. And we're going to do it as polite and as courteous and not vulgar. So 719-1490, if you'd like to get in on this. Jim, I'll let you start with some of the stuff that you've seen, and we'll just we'll be civil about it, and let's see what we can do with this for a little while. All righty. It's your turn. Well, I would get- it's your turn. I would guess that there's a couple of things that that go on. Um, so I would imagine that the the politician is supported by a special interest group who wants him to push a a uh, pack an energy package that uses less fossil fuels. Let's go with that. Right. So in, mm-hmm. in order for him to do that. The, the the American public, well, actually public in general, are pretty pretty routine people. We get up, we get our coffee, we go to work, we go home, we take care of our kids, we lather, rinse, repeat. We keep doing that, right? And then once in a while, we go on vacation. So mm-hmm. when we're offered a when we're offered a gas car, you know, we we love the we love saving money. We're cheap. Well, don't don't get me wrong. We are cheap people. We love we love the cheapest bargain, best bargain we can get. Because well, we work hard for our cash. It's, you know, we want to make every dollar stretch. And there isn't any industry on on the planet that 
that doesn't appeal to the U.S. market and say, hey, look, I can get your $50 can go a little bit farther than the other guy, than spending with the other guy, right? If you spend $50 with me, mm-hmm. it'll go farther than spending it with the other guy. So that being said, um, we would, if it weren't, if it weren't for um, in, increasing regulations for uh, gas mileage, the, the the push for electric probably would never exist. Somebody would say, well, why do I need an electric car? I can get in my car, put takes me two two minutes. I can go to the gas station. I can put two dollars. I can put ten dollars in my car. It's fairly inexpensive. I can drive it. I'll buy the same token. I can get my coffee at, at the at the gas station, or I can drive to the Starbucks and get my gas and my my coffee. Fuel me as well as fuel my car. So. Hopefully, you know, going down the road, everything's fine. I I don't need to change the program. I don't need to introduce a new dynamic to my life that says, oh, wait, I have to change exactly the whole way i got to think about cars. No, I agree. Electric cars are cool. They're neat. They just need a reprogramming of your mind to drive. You have to pay attention to when it's charged, when it's not charged, how far you can go, and that's, Sometimes people don't want to deal with that. They, you know, they want the path of least resistance. Look, it's easy. I put gas in my car. I go to the soccer practice. I pick up my kid. He's yelling in the back. I don't want to think about it. The boss was yelling at me today. Let me get home. I stop at Pizza Hut. I got my pizza. Now I'm now life is good. Whew. You know, I don't want to think about all those other things. I don't want to think about having to charge up my car. So in order for me to think about that, now I had to somebody had to come along and go, well, we want you to buy these cars because we believe somebody believes that it's a better, it's a more it's a more environmentally friendly technique. So we're going to convince you because by bribing you, we're going to bribe you into saying, hey, if we buy this car, um, it'll help the environment, and this and and everybody feels good about helping the environment. I don't know anybody that thinks that polluting the environment is a good idea. Nobody. I don't care whose who's side of the aisle you're on, like you said, Jerry. Nobody believes that polluting the environment is a good idea. We recycle our our recyclables. You know, we pick up the trash. We do everything we can to make sure that the earth we live on will be here for our children. So, but we, sometimes we just need a little more coaxing. So we got a little more coaxing. So somebody comes along with an idea and says, hey, if we coax them a little bit because um, – they're money-oriented. How about if we give them a little incentive to get this ball rolling? Because once we get the ball rolling, it'll be in place, and we won't have to do it anymore. Um, we we do it all the time. We've done it for million, for since the 40s, I think, when government decided to get into the into managing the country finances. Um, mm-hmm. So so getting so going so going forward, we 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 find that we just that we need to have a little a little coaxing headway to make sure that we get our uh, our our uh, our product out there and, and get and get it rolled up um now the fact that you have to that you're going to pay extra for a union built car that would be my guess is just somebody says hey this guy helped me get into where i need to and i need to quid pro quo him so he feels good about giving me money other than that um you know, you buy the electric car and you get the seventy five hundred dollars. You know, I do I get or twelve thousand once in a while, Jerry? Or twelve? Do I get to drive it once in a while, Jerry? If I if I help pay for it, do I get to drive it? That's my question. Yeah. 
Uh, well, if you look at the electric cars, and when they first come out, one, that's nothing new. I mean, they had them in England in the early, eight, uh, late 1800s, the first one was. And, but nobody bought it because, one, you didn't have the batteries that would carry it long enough. There is so much technology poured in. There's billions of dollars put in in battery research and battery increases. I mean, the original, when you first come out with the electric cars, oh, they had battery packs in them, and you, uh, oh, okay, these are only going to last about sixty, seventy thousand. Then you're going to have to replace this thing at a thousand dollars, and blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, none of that really come to pass. I mean, people were having to buy batteries, but uh, very few were going expiring the way that they predicted they would do. So, you know, you, you actually skated a little bit. Then they come out. Now you can replace the cells in the battery. You don't have to buy these expensive battery packs. Okay, so that's good. That's battery technology coming right along like it's supposed to do. Every manufacturer has money that they have to put into developing batteries. You know, they have these subcontractors. Uh, they donate to the, to the worthy cause to get these guys to make better batteries and they can have the, the better widgets when it comes to electric cars. But when you look at, uh, the foreign automotive industry that's in, in Arizona or, in, well, heck, yeah, all over the country now. And people will say, well, I'm not going to buy a, a Toyota. I'm not going to buy a Toyota because it's not made in the States. Yeah, it's made in the States. Or I'm going to buy a Toyota. They're made down, down south, and they're a good vehicle, and I'm just going to buy a Toyota and because they're made in the U.S. of A. You know, they're made in the U.S. of A, but the profit from it goes back to Japan. Okay? Same way with Honda. So when you look at that, what you think you're getting is what you're not really not getting. You look at Ford Motor Company. You say, okay, well, I'm, I, I really like a Ford truck, and I've had Ford trucks since my dad used to drive one out on the farm. I'm going to get a Ford. So you get ready to go buy your Ford truck, and you get your 99 Ford truck, as I did. I got it into the shop at Simmons 4 before. I open the hood on it, and the first thing I see is a sticker says, Made in Mexico. And I just start laughing because, I mean, what else are you going to do? You might as well laugh. And it's, it wasn't the fact that the Ford was actually made in Mexico. It was the wiring loom that had the sticker on it. But it was the first thing I seen when I opened the hood, made in Mexico. And then let's fast forward it to 2018 when I bought my Dodge Diesel. I opened the door plate on it. I've taken a look on it because you're supposed to uh, get familiar with your vehicle and finding the door plate and the VIN number is the easiest part of getting used to these brand new vehicles. So I looked at it and the first thing on the sticker was made in Mexico. And then it dawned on me, that's right. Dodge trucks have been made in Mexico since 19, my 78 Dodge truck was made in Mexico. The, so you don't know what you're buying, and you try to justify it in your own head. And what I recommend, <coughs> instead of your brains falling out while you're trying to figure all this stuff out, go pick out your favorite vehicle. Make sure it's got a good warranty on it. And if you've had good luck with it, so drive it. Jerry, I don't care. 
and just drive the vehicle that you have. Go, you gonna everybody price shops, but I'm telling you, from price shopping, you won't be more than probably five hundred dollars to a thousand dollars away on any vehicle that you buy. You buy diesel. I don't care if it's Dodge. I don't care if it's GM. I don't care if it's Ford. It depends on how it's equipped. If you're buying a diesel motor, diesel transmission to go behind that motor, and a running gear to get you from point A to point B, and you're looking for that fuel economy, which the diesels have some good fuel economy now, uh, you're, you're, if you pay, you look at the price of these things, 70000 75000 for a pickup. A pickup used to be the least expensive thing you can buy. But they're so handy Everybody started buying them. Therefore, we created a demand. The industry's not stupid. They do these researches. They say, wow, we're selling a lot of diesel trucks now. Wow, this will be a profit structure for us, so therefore we'll increase the price. Has anybody out there in the listening audience tried to buy a diesel lately or used diesel lately? I know where there's one 2007.3 diesel for sale today. I know where there's one. I know that it's a like I think it's a third owner, and it's got about two hundred thousand miles on it. Needs a paint job, but the engine, the seven point three, is just as strong as ever. Uh, but you know, and it's it's going to sell. There is no book value on it, these, and for the ones of you looking for used diesels, you already figured that out. So it's street value. It's what the consumer demands, what they're looking for. And so everybody gets excited. I'm not buying it. That's, 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 that's over Blue Book, really. You, don't worry. You don't have to buy it. Somebody else will because they're that's buying right. the truck that they want. And that one, politics has nothing to do with it. That's supply and demand. That's the way the world goes. So anyway, I got a little little off the subject here but politics in the automotive but to be right up front and say we're going to give you an extra twenty five hundred dollars if you buy an american-made diesel or car and then we're going to give you another twenty five hundred dollars credit up to twelve thousand dollars credit on these vehicles if you buy a union and i'm going oh my gosh somebody's got to be pulling their hair out of the head now because this just doesn't seem like it's fair trade, and uh, I'm just wondering how far the government's going to get into that, which I already know. And um, yeah, all right, let's go to the lines. Who we got? Uh, you guys got Emilio on line one. Emilio, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, my friend. Listen, I was looking at the, one of these uh, things that, uh, about these electric vehicles that you uh, mm-hmm. uh, seem to like a lot. Uh, and uh, they were saying that all that extra cobalt, lithium, and all that extra mineral that they got to put in, they got to dig, I don't know, what, about 10 acres of, uh, you know, to dig, dig those minerals out for those electric, for just one car. But they don't tell you that, you know. You do a lot of research and all that. Maybe you could check up on it. Uh, no, you're pretty correct. <laughs> you're pretty correct. Those minerals are very rare, and they're hard to come by. That's the reason the price on them is so expensive. 
but you are absolutely correct on that and but you if you look at the the whole premises of that is is kind of confusing to me a little bit uh that's because I don't have another word to describe it right now. We'll just go with confusion. Uh, well, this administration, has, they don't want to, you know, dig uh, coal, and they gave up the gas, uh, XL, and all that, you know, and uh, you think them environmentalists are going to, well, they probably already, well, like you say, they're, the union already probably paid them off anyway, so what's a big deal, you know? Well, but uh, you know, I just want to know, I heard uh, that on the radio the other day, and I'm going to talk to Jerry about that, because they have to dig a lot of, lot uh -huh. of holes for uh, out of the earth to get those uh, expensive minerals or whatever that they use on them cars well uh you remember here a few weeks back we did the thing on uh stealing catalytic converters right that's the same mineral stuff that's in that's in those that's the reason they're so popular right now as far as the theft well, on is going. Stealing, you, you really instead of stealing catalytic converters they're going to be stealing batteries you know <laughs> Well, still in the batteries is a little bit harder to get. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> a catalytic. Probably get rid of probably. the average. Yeah, the average time on a cat to steal is under two minutes, and so you know it's it's the catalytic converter theft industry is doing very well right now from the information that I can scrape up, and. They, it's because of the minerals that they can get out of the catalytic converter and the chemicals and stuff that they need. And that's the reason they are such a big commodity right now. And it's a lot bigger than what people actually realize, too, because a lot of the stuff that's stolen or, or handled is there's, there's fraud in the industry like there is every place else. You but think that uh, the uh, I've seen a guy on the TV that he was painting the, the catalytic red and then he put a bunch of numbers on there. You think that's going to help deter from us getting stolen? Uh, no, no, no. I don't think so either. They uh, they they've got to have you know most of catalytic converters have a number on them, but it's a part number that tell you what model vehicle they go on. It doesn't tell yeah. you that it belongs to Jim's car. It doesn't tell you that it belongs to Emilio's car. It just yeah. tells you there's a part number on it. And so until they go to tie it in, and then there's so many of them, and since there's not a human death or a human issue other than uh, because insurance will replace a stolen catalytic converter. You know, they get so you know, lost that that they go to last too long around anyway. I was thinking about it, you know. They get up to, I don't know, you, you see, you've, you've said that before, they get up so hot that, you know, they almost melt. So well, they but also they, remember they, here a few years ago when they used to say, be careful in Arizona when you're driving, don't park off-road in high grass with a engine right. idling because it'll start yeah. fires. There was a lot of fires started like that, you know, until people realized that, hey, we, can, we can't do this. I mean, we're going to sit here and we're going to burn our own car down. We're out hunting. We won't even be able to get back to Tucson. So that, yeah. that well, was an issue. Yeah, I remember that. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of well, stuff involved here. But well, I thought, I thought I'd give you my two cents. And, you know, I heard that on the radio, and you said it is open line, so. Take care. God bless. It is open line. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate okay. it.
Uh, 719-1490, 719-1490. We'll get headed in the right direction shortly. We are in the right direction, but there's so dang on much about it. Trying to organize it a little bit so my hair don't start falling out and um, any more than what it has. But 719-1490, any comments you have, it's an open line. You know, we can talk about anything from... Um, I do have some stuff on uh, towing and overheating when you're towing, and but we can stay. What else you want to go into the um, automotive that you know automotive has really made a big change, and we you got to look at everything when you're looking at this stuff. You got to look at the lobbying groups that they form because that's that's a lot of good money out there, big money being spent. You know, to say. Okay, Jerry, I want your I want your Dodge painted black. Okay? In order for uh car dealers to go ahead and come up with their paint schemes and stuff, they do it on research. So somebody's always researching. And I I'm not talking about the ones that call you and tell you that your warranty's expired or <laughs> I'm talking about actual research. They do the research, they find out okay, what's the most pe- popular paint colors? And then they say, all right, well, and then they go with that. But they've got to have information feedback from the motoring public in order to find, okay, what colors do you like? What do you like in your car? People buy cars to match their favorite color of clothes that they wear, okay? Understandable. Understand? I don't care. That, that, shouldn't have, that doesn't have nothing to do with politics. That's just your own personal preference. So... It's a lot of stuff that goes into the automotive industry. The automotive industry, this is about a 10-year or better, probably 15-year number. At that time, it was a $481 billion industry in the U.S. of A., around the world, with the manufacturers of these vehicles and stuff. And then it's just like, what? $481 $481 billion, that's a lot of cash. That's a lot of money. That's a, And that's a long, that's an old, old. And, and, how, and how many people are affiliated with that? How many, how many people are, are in this world, in this country, are associated with the automotive industry? I mean, that number I do not have. It is, I'll it, bet you if it's, it's not high. the largest, if it's, if it's not the largest, it should, it probably is close. Uh, at the time that number come out, I think the car automotive industry was like the second largest industry. And then everybody started messing with it. You know, I look, I look at, I, I look and I understand all the stuff about the different environmental stuff. Uh, but I remember when they took the horsepower out of the vehicles in the early 70s. Uh, they were supposed to get a lot better gas mileage. Uh, they're not polluting and all of this. And so they put, started putting the emissions control stuff on it. And, and if you want to find out if it's a good, bad, or money, just say, okay, who's going to benefit? Who's going to benefit if, uh, Dodge puts, uh, an extra catalytic converter on Jerry's truck? Who's gonna, who's gonna actually benefit? Is it really gonna be cleaner? Because I was taking my diesels in for years and years and years and go through the emissions and it come back so doggone clean you could almost eat out of the inside of the engine. 
What they didn't measure was the amount of soot that was actually put out on the road from the fuel actually uh, burning. And so now they've controlled that with this uh, uh, equipment that they put on these trucks. Did your big trucks have this, uh, the fuel for it for, uh, ah, the let, me, let me work on my coffee a little bit. Yeah, the depth. Are you thinking about the depth? So we have, we yep. have both. We have some that do have death and some that don't have death. And so death is, is what's called diesel emission fluid. That's what the, that's what the death stands for. Um, in Europe, they call it an SCR, a secondary catalyst reactant or something like that. I forget. Um, and mm-hmm. what it does is it um, you it's a very caustic, uh, um, very, very caustic chemical. Um, and it's derived from synthetic urine, the same the same substance that they use to cal- calibrate the drug machines with. At any rate, somebody came up with this design that says that the exhaust that comes out of of a diesel truck ha- is heavy in particulates. So, what that means is that in lieu of having carbon dioxide, which is a greenhouse gas. This the diesel emissions are heavy in particulates, so um, they they shield they they shield the atmosphere from sunlight, and the sunlight then is reflected back, causing a, similar to carbon dioxide a greenhouse gas um, heating. So and it affects the, the ozone. Sun, the sun, yeah, it affects the ozone. The sun can't. The sun can't radiate from the ground back into outer space, so it reflects back, and that causes global warming. That's the theory. Couldn't tell you if it, if it works or not. So somebody came up with this idea and said, "Look, in in 2000, in 2000, um, 2000, they had, they had a, did a study, and in 2003 they put the first line of diesel emissions on trucks, um, and it went down like 85 percent." And so then in 2007, they did another round, and in 2010, they did a round, and in 2013, they did a round. And about 13 is about, they've kind of leveled out right now. So 13 is when they have the, what they call the the diesel emission fluid. And what it does is kind of an interesting item. You know, it doesn't burn your engine per se. What, What they do is they inject it into the exhaust. So right in front of the the catalytic converter for a diesel, which they call a particulate can, um, it goes through and it and it ignites it, and it and it takes the exhaust and it superheats it like a, like a jet engine, it just burns it, burns all, all the impurities out of it. So when the exhaust gases go out, everything that comes out is what what they would consider an 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 inert gas or an inert particle, and then as it flows through it, it it does this burning in the chamber, and then it hits the particulate can, which is supposed to catch all the heavy particles, like the catalytic converter. It's more like a trap. Think of it as a, think, don't think of it as a, as a, a catalytic converter actually changes the chemical of the exhaust. The particulate can actually captures the, the particles that come out, so that when the exhaust goes out, it's as clean as you can get it. So it's, it's been changed from, you know, uh, a, a particulate filled gas to an inert gas. So now it's, um, and a gas that 
won't harm the environment as much. Mm-hmm. EPA says it still does, but it doesn't. So the so the diesel emission fluid um, is very very caustic. Uh, if you dump it in your in your fuel tank, you can rest assured you are going to have a huge expense for not uh, for not um, doing it correctly. The um, it'll eat your fuel lines, it messes up your injectors, your fuel pump, the whole nine yards. So important safety note. Also, do not, I, I... Put, do not put death in your gas tank. It does not work that way. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it, you know. <laughs> The other problem is it comes with training, you know. So you got this this item that's supposed to, it's expensive. It's uh, what is it? It's fifteen dollars for two and a half gallons. And it goes about yep. oh, you get about twenty five percent to a tank full. So add add another add another fifteen, you know. So two and a half gallons cost you fifteen bucks. So that's what six bucks a gallon, five bucks a gallon. True story. Yeah, so so now your 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 emissions your your extra emissions cost you extra money at the gas pump. So even though you got to dump it in a separate tank, um, but if you if you don't tra- if you if you don't make if you're not paying attention and you dump it in the wrong the wrong uh, tank, you're now you're going to have a whole bunch more expenses. So yep. you don't want to do that. And if you spill, if you spill it. It, yeah. it, it, it'll eat everything alive. Um, I will tell you that what we see a lot of is so in the little t- in the tank where you put the def, and everybody has one. I don't care if it's Ford or Chevy or Dodge or International or Freightliner, or Kenworth, Peterbilt. They have a it's a heater pump assembly, and it's a and a with a fuel uh, gauge on it, and. The uh, it goes in the tank, and what happens is it heats the def to the proper temperature because it has to be heated. You can't just use it; it can't just be injected. It has to be heated, and it pumps it into the exhaust system to where it can be. It's got like a little injector there that it nozzles out and ignites and burns. Um, mm-hmm. But those those little heat the little heater assemblies fail all the time. Even now, I <laughs> I towed a truck the other day. It was a 2020. A 2020 truck with, I think it had 2,000 miles on it, which means it made it from, it made it from the manufacturer to the to the yard, to the sales yard, right, to the dealership. Right. And the sensor was out, and they don't have any to replace it with. They're, they don't have any because they're in such high demand that they can't make them fast enough. Wow. So wow. Kind of a, that well, kind of put yeah. a damper on your day. You, you just spent, you know, two hundred thousand dollars on a new truck to make money, and you can't drive it because this, this, you know, this seven hundred dollar part isn't available. Right, right. That, that'll that'll, and, that'll put a wrinkle in your in your Cheerios. Well, it, and it's not like having uh, like the old brake systems. You so you have your power brakes go out, your booster goes out. You just push a little harder on the brakes, and it'll still work. And this though. If that uh, uh, injector thing goes out and it's not working, well, it, the computer reads it, and then it starts cutting back on the power because you're not able to clean the exhaust the way the computer has been programmed to do. And it say, oh, you must be out of fluid. And then it cuts your power back, what, 60%, I think it is? And it's, it oh. takes it into the lymph mode, and you will put 
fluid in that tank, or it will just absolutely worry you to death because you've got just about enough power to get it off the road, and if you're lucky, you can get it back to the your garage or your parking lot or wherever you store this vehicle. But in order to move that son of a gun and move it, uh, pull a load that you need to get, have the vehicle working the reason you bought it, you're going to have to put some fluid in this thing. And so, and this is something that people that, uh, new owners that buy diesels don't realize. And then another thing, you have this false security saying, okay, this, this system is so high tech, it'll last forever. I mean, the quality is better. No, they don't. And when you have to replace a DEF system on a vehicle, especially with if you do the entire system, uh, you're looking at some serious money on these big trucks. And you're looking at, uh, even on three-quarter ton or half ton has a diesel in it. You're, you're looking at some serious money on this. And even my owner's manual says it will not last forever. And, you know, that's, that's the reason you, you'll hear me say, what's your definition of lifetime? You know, you got lifetime oil changes or lifetime transmission fluid changes and all of this. Who's lifetime? And that, I mean, that needs to be put out there. It's, you know, five years, 100,000 miles. Is that your definition of a lifetime? Which I found out that, that that's pretty much it. But they'll say a lifetime, and lifetime you don't have to change this fluid, the transmission fluid in a transmission. I mean, some of them you can't even check the transmission fluid because it has no dipstick, it has no access. And you can, the only way you can find access is you have to raise the vehicle up. You have to go in there and start pulling plugs. It's almost like checking the fluid in the differential. Pull the plug off the back of the differential, stick your finger in there and see if it comes up to the first knuckle. And that's, that's basically what they've got now. But some of the stuff they did, uh, is being great. You know, we are a spoiled society. If you, if people love their older cars and stuff, but if you look at them, They'll have an old car, old Mustang, Camaro, Charger, whatever, and they tow them to these big car shows, and look at what they're towing with. 99% of them are towing with brand-new diesels or brand-new big cubic-inch gas burners. And they can fix that car that's on the trailer any day of the week, do anything to it they can work on it, and they raise the hood on that vehicle that they're towing with and go, oh, my God, what's this? I mean, you can't even identify it as an engine anymore because of everything it has on there. So when people are buying these trucks, that's the reason they use diesels right now, seem to be at an absolute premium, if you can even find one, is they're a little bit more simpler. But I've got a, you know, injector pumps, uh, older diesels, they're made to run with a higher lube inside the fuel that they burn and you don't bother putting an additive in there because you know somebody said oh you can run this stuff is compatible no it's not you go down past 06 you better be running some kind of lube in it and the biggest thing that i see is people in construction they will have a grater or something that they're running or a, uh, a little backhoe or whatever and it's a little three popper diesel or something like that and they will put regular fuel from a, a, a QT or Chevron or something, a diesel fuel in it. It doesn't have enough lube to service the engine. They don't remember to put an additive in there that supplements 
the uh, lack of additive in these uh, late model fuels that they've taken out because of environmental issues. So, you know, it, it there is a lot of stuff that's broken down that the reason it broke down is because lack of lubrication in the fuels that goes through to service the injector pumps and stuff like this. And the reason I say that, I'm sitting right here right now, and I've got a Massey Ferguson tractor, 85, with a fuel pump, uh, a injector pump out. It's going to be out for probably another month to a month and a half because it's got to be pulled and sent to Tennessee to rebuild and then brought back and reinstalled on my Massey Ferguson. And the uh, technician working on it, he says, do you run a fuel additive in there? Yeah, I run a fuel additive in there, but did the other guy? I doubt it. And so he said, that's probably the reason that your injector pump is going out. But for the people that have the diesels and the older diesels, the 06s, uh, you know, I, I would go 07 and back. You need to run an additive, a fuel additive that has a lube in it. It helps clean, keep the fuel cleaner. It helps keep it moving through. And it has an additional lube in it to replace the lube that you lost. Now, there is a way you can get around this. You can run a biofuel additive, a biofuel. You can run a 20%. My diesel is designed to where I can run a 20% biofuel in there. If I run a 20% mix with my diesel, uh, it runs cleaner. It has plenty of lube in it, uh, and it'll clean, it keeps the system cleaner. So, you know, if you want to run, you can run anywhere from a 5 to a 99 biofuel in these diesels now if you run a 99 in it you better make sure in fact i don't even recommend you run a 99 percent run 20 is about as most as you want to go in it you can put five percent in a diesel and it takes a lubricity factor back to 1996 or 95 or something like that but that will handle the lube that you need in these diesels. And people, they just don't know it. They just don't know it. You know, they go buy diesel fuel, diesel fuel is diesel fuel. No, it's not. Not anymore. And gasoline's the same way. They've changed the additives in gasoline. From the time that I was a boy, buying this gas that was cheaper than a son of a gun, it was designed to keep the valves clean. Now they're putting a different type of additive in it. They going well. We'll just, the valves is a byproduct, so we'll just we'll we've got but we've got to service the injectors. So they put the fuel cleaner in there that'll service the injectors, and it's not as good as the old additive that they had in there to clean the back of the valves. So you back to your valves, take a beating, and but your injectors are clean. So you know it's a it's a a growing change that has come apart. That, but you've got to remember to tell people, you know, the old valve seats in them were used to a good, uh, additive, uh, a lube compound. And then when they got away from that, the valve seats started coming out because they didn't have the proper lube in them. And, you know, when guys rebuild engines in your local machine shops and stuff, they say, well, we've got to change the valve seats in these valves because of the fuel that they're using now. That's very real. I've seen it done it and that's part of the issue these guys driving these older cars 
and they go rebuild a small block Chevy, a small block Ford, stuff like that. If they plan on running that thing, they've either got to run a lot of additive in it to compensate for it, and they do have it available, or they're going to have problems if they put any miles on this thing or any extended miles, I should say, or if it's a, if it's a normal daily driver, let's put it that way, if it's a daily driver then they're going to be having some problems coming down the road because it's going to remove the seats out of the, uh, the valve and the cylinder heads. So a lot of stuff to consider when you're buying an older vehicle, a lot of stuff to, to consider if you're driving an older vehicle. Uh, there is about a million different additives in these stores from Merle's uh, to your Class A stores, parts stores. But you need to read the instructions on the can and make sure that you don't overdo it because a little bit will work just fine. If you can, if you want to decide you're going to add a, a can of additive to every fuel tank, <coughs> excuse me, every time you fill up, you're going to wind up with an over. You're going to have fuel that actually becomes, for lack of a better word, contaminated with too much additives. Too, too much additive in the fuel. So you just have to read the instructions and do a little bit of research, do your little homework to keep this thing running like it's supposed to. Oh, what do you want to add, Jim? What? Well, uh, <clears throat> yeah, those are great points. Um, the fuel additive is good. The Ford, Ford I'd, uh, what used to, I don't know if they still do. I think they do. It's, you run your if you run your your truck out of diesel, you'll the diesel fuel lubricates the injectors, and when they when they uh, when you run it out of fuel, that knocks the injectors out because they run dry, so they run metal on metal, and a lot of guys will if they not paying attention, they'll run them run them shy, and they'll the injectors will be gone, and they'll they'll put fuel back in it, and it won't run at all because the injectors are bad, so. Right. When you're when you, when you're doing the when you're if you have your additives in there, you might get a little bit, maybe a little bit more life if you you know hopefully you, you don't run them up too much out of fuel. The um, there right. was something I was going to tell you and I I lost it because you'd said something earlier and I had thought about something and I it's my it's my uh, my uh, senior moments kicking in, Jerry. You say I'm not as old as well. You that's all right. Days. <laughs> I'm thinking my senior moments are coming more frequently than they used to. So the um, they don't get any better. Get used to it. You know they that's just the used I to it. a redneck palm pilot. <laughs> I, I sit here and when when you say something and it triggers something, first thing I do is grab my notepad and start writing it down if I have a comment about it. Because if I don't, within a minute or two. I won't even remember what you said, and I won't even comment on it. So that's the reason I keep a pen and pad right in front of me when I'm doing this show to write down the, the redneck palm pilot. Redneck palm pilot. I've I've not heard that. That's a very that's a good that's a good one. You know, that's I carry a pen with me all the time five. because there, you can't do damage without a pen. You know, that's the way you that's the way you do most damage on the planet is with a pen. So that's right. Uh, You're I'll have to absolutely keep my, my correct. Redneck, I have to keep my redneck Palm Pilot available. I, I I don't have one in front of me right now. Uh, but at any rate, the uh, uh, um, on the additives, you know, um, 
if 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 you're running your older equipment, um, I will tell you um, that you need to uh, ch- check your 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 fuel. Um, if if you're running equipment, you know it it, it the fuel gets just like in gas, it, it gets older and the diesel coagulates, it gets varnishy. Um, we had a machine go down because we didn't use it and and we started running it and the varnish and the varnish and the fuel yeah. uh, um, knocked the injector pump out because it was because it was you know it 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 wouldn't it wouldn't work it was it was too thick right. you know there was too much crud in it so you know an yep. injector pump on a loader it was about six thousand dollars for the pump so that's not, yeah not, not something you really want to write home about so. Um, keep, keep well, the, uh, you know, all right. Well, we're coming up. We're, we're coming up to the top of the hour. We got about uh, probably twenty seconds left, and so wow, this hour went by blister quick. Seven one nine fourteen ninety. Please join us second hour. Uh, and by the way, I have two tickets for callers number one and two to the race tonight at Tucson Speedway. Seven one nine fourteen ninety, and then I'll have another pair coming up after the break because I don't have time to get it in. We'll be right back with the Simmons Car Care Show right here on ESPN Tucson right after this break. From the- 